Hi there, KCC. I am so excited to be able to bring you the word this morning. Um, I hope you're excited. I hope you're feeling the joy of God today. Wasn't that an amazing worship time? Um, Nick and Claire, you, you aced it. It was amazing. Thank you so much for taking us into the throne room this morning. And um, it was such an intimate time of worship, wasn't it, where God just was speaking so powerfully. So I hope you have expectancy this morning as we get into the word. You know, the word is living and active and it's going to speak to us. And it's going to speak to us in all kinds of different ways. So get ready, put your seatbelts on and let's get ready. This morning, I want to ask you some questions. I want to ask you, how big is your vision of Jesus? As you walk with him, how big is he in your eyes? How do you see him in your mindset? And as we look at the word today, I want you to have those questions in your mind. And I want you to listen to what God says about it. So we're looking today at how Jesus taught his disciples about who he was. We're in Mark 8, verse 27 through to 38. So if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn to it. But this morning, I'm going to tell the story because Mark is Peter's account of what happened. And I imagine when I read it that Peter was just telling Mark all about it. And, and Mark was trying to sort of scurry and write it all down. So I, I kind of want us to hear it in a, in, a, in a story. So that's how I'm going to do it this morning. So, so far in Mark, there's been many, many stories of what Jesus has been doing. It's been like concentrated Jesus. There's been story after story of incredible encounters with Jesus and lives impacted wherever he went. We've seen Jesus demonstrating who he is and he's been leaving clues everywhere. Sometimes I think of it like, uh, we love where, uh, watching this catchphrase game on, on TV during lockdown. We didn't watch it before, but during lockdown, we started to watch this game. And, and it's like you have to watch um, a small animation or you see a picture and you have to say what you see. And you have to guess a phrase or guess a word. And um, I kind of imagine that, you know, the disciples have been watching Jesus and they've been seeing him do all these amazing things. and. Um, you know, Peter has seen withered hands grow and they've seen thousands of people fed with just a few uh, loaves and, a, and some fish. And they've seen storms die down just at one command from Jesus. Lame people have walked, captives have been set free. And you can imagine trying to guess and trying to say what they were seeing, maybe trying to put their finger on a right description of who Jesus was as they walked with him. Some people might have said healer. Others might have said, oh no, he's teacher, he's teacher, authority, power. Maybe they'd have said feeder of the hungry. Maybe they'd have said commander of storms, freer of captives. Jesus had done all of these things. But here in Mark, it's a turning point because this is the point and place where Jesus reveals the fullness of who he is and what that means more deeply, what must happen for him to bring salvation to all mankind. And it's from here on that Jesus begins his journey to the cross. So where were they? Well, they were in villages um, surrounding a place called Caesarea Philippi. 
and this was a pagan city. It had a history of being a heartland of worship to man-made false gods. And now it was the centre of worship to Roman gods. It was a place where spiritual hunger was being misdirected towards false gods. These people needed Jesus. And he was here, right in their midst, revealing the fullness of who he was. So let's get into the story. They were walking, um, Jesus and his disciples were walking uh, in the villages around Caesarea Philippi. And he turns to them and he says, who, who do people say that I am? And the disciples answered him. Some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, um, some say one of the prophets. And Jesus said, well, who do you say I am? And Peter is the one who pipes up and he answers. I imagine him as, as kind of really enthusiastic and, and passionate. He's got the answer here. He's confident. He knows. And he says, you are the Christ. And you just feel like saying, yes, Peter, bingo. You got it right. You did it. You, you, you said what you saw. And yes, Jesus is the Christ. He's the Messiah. He's the saviour. And Jesus begins to teach them that the son of man must suffer. And it says in the word he, he spoke plainly. He didn't sugarcoat this. He didn't uh, wrap it up in, in, a, in a neat bow and present it to them in easy things to hear. This was hard. This was challenging to listen to. The son of man is going to suffer. He's going to be killed. This was this was not easy to listen to. And, you know, you imagine Peter, he loved Jesus and he's walked with him. He's seen all these amazing things. And now he hears that Jesus is going to suffer. Can you imagine the confusion? This isn't what Peter thought the plan was going to be. And he says, um, you know, this isn't what you're here for, Jesus. You can kind of imagine it bubbling up inside of him, can't you? And basically he takes Jesus aside and he rebukes him. Peter was only thinking about the immediate nature of Jesus's rescue. And so he's limiting. He was limiting Jesus to save us from the Romans because they were his biggest problem. Peter didn't understand the big vision of what Jesus being the saviour meant. And that's why he rebuked him. So he takes Jesus aside and he and he says, no, Jesus, this isn't this isn't for you. And this word rebuke is it's a really strong word. Um, it's the same word that Jesus used when he calmed the storm, when he rebuked the storm. It's a really strong word. So this revelation of who Jesus is and what he's here to do is really troubling Peter. And Jesus listens to him, but then Jesus rebukes him. And he challenges Peter to think in God's ways rather than in the ways of man. And then Jesus calls over the disciples and the crowd that are with them. And he teaches them about how when our ways and God's ways clash, it's our ways that need to be laid down. We cannot save ourselves. We really need him. He's our saviour. So that's the story. And I've got, in good KCC tradition, I've got three points this morning. 
So first of all, I want us to think about who do we say that God is? How big is our vision of Jesus? Secondly, I want us to think about what lens do we see God through as we walk with him? How big is he in our eyes? And thirdly, when our mindset and God's ways clash, what do we do? Do we limit God or expand our mindset? So let's look at point one. Who do you say God is? How big is your vision of Jesus? Well, Peter answered Jesus's question accurately. He recognised Jesus from a place of proximity. You know, he'd walked with him. This was relational. Um, it, he, he would have eaten. He would have spent time with Jesus. You know, you kind of imagine all these moments that we don't get to see in the word as they walk together. They were close. Peter had seen incredible things. And he recognised Jesus from the Old Testament scriptures that had prophesied a Messiah but Peter had bought into the limited view of that. He loved Jesus. So the violence of the plan that Jesus described was very painful and shocking to him. He didn't anticipate a cost to Jesus. He was stuck in his preconceived ideas about what he needed rescuing from. And he wobbled when he heard Jesus describe the road that he was going to walk. In Peter's eyes, the Romans were the problems. The Romans were keeping the people in bondage. So it was the Romans that he thought Jesus had come to rescue them from. If Jesus sorted out the Romans, then they could get to live out their lives peacefully and life would just be easier. It was all about the Romans. Right, Peter? Wrong, Peter. No, that's not what it was all about. Jesus came to save us from so much more than that. He said the son of man must suffer many things. He must be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes. He must be killed. And after three days, he must rise again. Because Jesus came to rescue mankind from their sin. He came to bear the cost, to defeat death and to bring life and freedom to all mankind. It was so much bigger than the immediate problem. Peter's confession of Jesus was right, but his response to hearing the fullness of the rescue plan revealed that his vision of Jesus needed to be bigger. Peter was focusing on the immediate problem and he felt that he needed rescuing from that, but that limited his vision of Jesus. So what about us? Do we limit our view of Jesus in our lives? Do we struggle when things aren't how we think they should be? Do we only look at Jesus to fix our immediate problem in our eyes? God sees our immediate problems and he sees the battle and he knows how we feel about it. He knows deeply. He knows intimately. He knows our thoughts. He knows our words before we even speak them. He sees our immediate problems and he cares about them. But he has an eternal plan because he is an eternal God. Here's the thing. Nothing God ever does is restricted to the immediate. So even if he did rescue us from the immediate problems that we're facing, it's never contained in the now. It happens in the now. 
but it impacts the future because it changes the way we see God and it transforms the past because the way that we look back on things is changed too. I really feel like God wants us to know this today. So I'm going to say it again. Nothing God does is ever restricted to the immediate. Even if he rescues us in the immediate, it isn't contained in the now. It happens in the now and it transforms the future and impacts the past because of how we know him when we're encountering him. Just let that settle a minute. So point two, what lens do you see God through as you walk with him? Are you looking at things through the lens of God's ways or man's ways? So really, how big is he in your eyes? Jesus rebuked Peter because he wasn't setting his mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Peter knew who Jesus was, and yet his view was limited. God's perspective is one that knows the beginning and the end, and it takes all that's in between into his sights as he looks at our situations. He knows us so deeply, and he loves us completely, and he has good plans for us. He's a good God, and that's why we must think in the ways of God. Isaiah 55 says this, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. That's a scripture that many of us are familiar with, but do you believe that? Do you think of God like that? Does this verse translate into how you process things when what you see in God doesn't match what you thought he should be doing? Peter didn't know where the path that he was on was going to take him. But God knew. He knew the plan. He knew the boldness that Peter was going to need to declare the gospel. God had amazing plans for him. Plans that would see him there with Jesus at the point when he was arrested. Plans that would see Peter preach and be arrested himself. But as a result of that moment, thousands of people would be saved. That's a spoiler alert for Acts 4, by the way. We've got to cling to the knowledge that we serve a good God who has good plans for us. Jesus is our saviour in the moment, but also for all time. That's incredible. His power is not limited. He is not limited at all. It's amazing that that's the God that we serve. Can you feel that bubbling up? Can you feel the spirit just putting his finger on that at the moment? He is not limited at all. When we see this when we look through this lens of God's ways it changes everything at work okay we have these glasses um I work with visually impaired young people and and some of our some of my job is training people to have an understanding of of what it's like to walk with the conditions the eye conditions that we deal with 
And so we have these glasses and um, they create uh, a, a, a feeling of what it looks like to see through those eyes of the people that we work with. So we have glasses that demonstrate um, different light perceptions. We have glasses that demonstrate a central vision loss and we have glasses that demonstrate a peripheral vision loss, so on the outside. Um, so if you were to put these glasses on where you have a peripheral vision loss, you would see centrally. So it'd be like looking through a small, um, small hole, pinprick hole. And when you can only see centrally, um, it restricts your view to immediately what's in front of you. And sometimes that's how we can walk through life, isn't it? We can see just the immediate view and we might still see that view with God in it. So we see our situation in the immediate mo moment and we see that, yes, God's with us in that. But because our view is limited, it can make God smaller than he really is. We can limit his capacity to our view of the situation. And it makes God's thoughts become our thoughts. And that isn't the right way around. We need to expand our vision. We need to remove the glasses of our perspective and ask him about his perspective. Our thoughts need to become his thoughts. So I wanna ask you, what lenses are you looking through today? As you face different circumstances, as you navigate coming out of lockdown, as you navigate the, the changes in, in circumstances or challenges that you're facing, what's your view of God today? So moving on to point three, when our mindset and God's ways clash, what do we do? Do we hold on to God or do we hold on to our mindset? And this is a tricky one. This is, this is a challenging one. Jesus called the disciples and the crowd over to teach them about what it meant to follow him. Uh, what he was saying was that when you're walking with God, there are gonna be times when we're gonna to have to lay things down. That's the reality of walking with Jesus. There are times when we have to surrender. I mean, that word today was just so fitting, wasn't it? We need to surrender things. When our agenda and God's agenda collide, it's always gonna be our agenda that has to come and, and be laid down. God gives grace for that though. And it's our understanding that that needs to change in this. He knows that setting your mind on things above changes the landscape of your decision. The valley in the, in the situation you're struggling in can become a mountain in that moment of realizing that God's ways are higher and that he's a big God. Again, I wanna say this again, I feel like this is an important point today, that when you set your mind on things above, it changes the landscape of your decision. You can feel like you're in a valley, but when you set your minds on the things of God, that valley becomes a mountain because you're seeing things God's way. You're seeing your situation in the, in the way that God sees it. And he sees from the beginning to the end of eternity and all that's in between. Francis Chan said this, God doesn't call us to be comfortable. That's very true. He calls us to trust him so completely 
that we are unafraid to put ourselves in situations where we will be in trouble if he doesn't come through. How amazing. Are we living like that? That's radical, isn't it? We need to understand that we need to trust God in those times when we can't see his plan, but we know that he can see it. He's a good God, remember, and he has good plans for us. We need to remember and understand that God's perspective is different from ours. He sees in a different way to us. We see the immediate, we imagine the future, and we look back at the past. And it's always through our own viewpoint. Our view is so limited. As I said in my job, we, we have these glasses. So we talk about fields of vision. That's what we would be describing um, when we put these glasses on. This, this is a peripheral field, field of vision. This is a central field of vision. And um, no matter how uh, much a person can see, if it's um, limited to central vision, like the glasses I spoke about earlier, um, it's, it's gonna restrict our view of God. No matter how good our field of vision of God is, it's still going to be limited compared to God's field of vision. Because, like I said, his field of vision expands through eternity. God sees through the lens of eternity. He sees our circumstances. They matter to him. It's incredible to imagine how big his vision is, but how much detail he sees in. That blows my mind. We are so precious to him. He's such a good God. And that's why we can trust him. That's why we can surrender. That's why we can lay down our viewpoint. We can take that bold decision to lay, lay it down and to pick up his vision. His vision is so much bigger, so much better. He knows where he's taking us just like he knew where he was taking Peter. So just as we come into land, I just want to think of us to think about a few things. I want us to ask ourselves, do we have a big vision of Jesus as saviour? Are we laying down the things that hinder that? Are we surrendering? The word, for, uh, the word surrender today was just really powerful. I really, I really felt that moment. It was, it was a very powerful moment. We, we need to take that with us today. It's a powerful choice to surrender, to set our minds on the ways to God, of God. And we need to remember who we are surrendering to. As we were singing today, you know, how beautiful he is, how powerful, how wonderful, how strong. God has amazing plans, big, big plans, and they need a big vision of who he is. God wants us to have a big vision. I want to ask you today, is there anything that he's asking you to lay down? It's not, this isn't a choice from a place of failure. This is a choice from a place of being on a rock. It's a choice to trust a good God who loves you. It's saying, yes, God, I agree. Your ways are higher than mine. So just as we come to an end, how do we get a big vision of God, a big vision of Jesus? How do we do it? What can we do to help ourselves? Well, we can look up. We can spend time looking at who Jesus is. When we read the Bible, 
we can ask God to expand our vision from him. You know, we, we, we just, when I read the Bible and I just say, God, show me yourself today. Show me who you are today. I want to see what your word teaches me about you. It changes the way you read the Bible when you pray things like that. You can look up when you worship. You can engage with what the words are. You can engage with who you're singing to. Imagine Jesus right in front of you. That's going to magnify him. That's going to make your vision of him bigger. You can go big. You can eat and drink from his words. This is a time where you can really go for it. You can eat big meals. You can have um, huge, uh, huge drinks of, of, from the Holy Spirit as you read his word. You can dream big. You can ask God to show you where you've put limits on, him, on things. And you can let go of the things that hinder your view of God. And in this bit, I think processing disappointment is really important because it does get confusing when our ways and God's ways collide. And sometimes we can get disappointed in God and we can hold that and it can affect the way we see him. And he doesn't want that to hinder us. So dealing with disappointment well is a good way to help yourself to have a bigger vision of Jesus. And uh, last of all, you can speak out. You can confess with your words who he is. You know, today in the worship time, it was so great to just be able to do that. As those amazing songs um, just lifted us to the throne room, we could confess, yes, Jesus, you're wonderful. Yes, God, you're powerful, you're strong, you're amazing. Thank you, God. We can give thanks. That's a powerful way to help us to have a bigger vision of Jesus. Just last of all, Jesus doesn't need us to have a big vision of him for him. This is for us. He wants us to have a big vision of what we carry. Because when we give our lives to him, you know, we carry the, we carry the kingdom with us. And he wants us to walk in the fullness of this. You know, there's a world out there who needs to know the love and forgiveness and freedom of the one who came to save them. God has big plans for them. And he has big plans for you. And the bigger vision that we have of Jesus, the more the world is going to get to see what we carry, like the power of what we carry in his kingdom. It's with us all the time in every moment. And that's where Peter got to in, on that day in Acts 4, when he preached, was arrested. But thousands of people came to know and believe in Jesus on that day. So I just want to pray for us today before I hand back to Sam. I just want to pray for us. So, God, I ask you, please, would you give us eyes to see? Would you give us capacity to understand how big you are? Would you help us, God, to have a big vision of who you are and what you can do? God, we want to walk in your ways and we want to think in the ways of God. We want to surrender to you today. We want to say, yes, God, your ways are higher than ours. Your plan is perfect. Help us to surrender our view of things and to set our minds on things of God. In Jesus name. Amen.